Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. I am not Pastor John R. Butcher Sr. I am instead Pastor Jenny M. Davis. I was trying to think of something creative for the M to stand for, but it's just Marie. I mean, that's, it's just Marie. Like, like 50% of other women my age in America, their middle name is Marie. But um, my parents weren't too creative when it came to middle names. Anyways, my real name is actually Virginia. I'm Pastor Virginia M. Davis, um, after my grandmother. Proud of that. But I have the privilege this morning of standing before you. I would want to encourage you guys, if you can. I mean, I know usually people come to the first service because you're extra spiritual. I mean, the extra spiritual people get up early in the morning and they come to church, right? I mean, you guys can give yourselves a pat on the back this morning. Yeah, the extra spiritual people. But I would encourage you, if, if you have the time, for one of the, the first times in, since we've been doing two services on a Sunday... There's going to be two different people preaching this morning. So if you stay for the second service, you can get the real message, okay? I'm just the warm-up message. I'm just the war- no. <laughs> We're going to have uh, John R. Butcher Jr. in the second service giving a message too. So no, if you, if you have the opportunity and you got the time this morning, I would encourage you to stick around, um, like I said, for the real message. We're just warming up this morning. We're going to get you ready for that second service this morning if you want to stick around. But... Um, What's on my heart this morning to talk about is something that I truly, truly believe. No, I know. I know that I know that I know everybody in this room has struggled with at some time or another. And probably right now might be one of those times. It's not because I prayed and I have some uh, spiritual insight about it. It's just that I know that everybody, I am convinced that every person in this room this morning is a human being. Right? We don't believe in aliens around here or like, yeah, okay. So we're all human beings, so we all struggle with the same kind of things that human beings struggle with. And um, as soon as I tell you what it is that we're going to be talking about this morning, I guarantee you everybody in this room is going to be like nodding their head like, yes, I have struggled with that and I could be struggling with it right now. And that is patience. I, I know, I heard a lot of grumbling just now, like... Because as soon as we talk about patience, it's like the word we don't talk about in church, right? Because as soon as we talk about it, we're going to have opportunities to exercise that patience, right? So, sorry, that's what, just what the Lord put on my heart. So just be ready. You're going to have opportunities to exercise patience. And maybe I'll preach for a long time this morning, and you're going to have to be extra patient with me, okay? Maybe. We'll see. Um, but I tend to talk fast. Usually people are like, slow, slow down, slow down. If, if you need me to slow down, just, you know, tell me. But uh, the title of today's message is called Weight Training. Not the kind of weight you might be thinking of when you think of weight training. You've had all, like, that's a theme this year. All this year, all the different people that have been up here to preach and teach. We've all been talking about getting healthy. There's lots of us in this room this morning that all year that's been our focus is getting healthy, losing weight, building muscle, all that it takes to be physically fit. But we're not going to talk necessarily about that kind of weight training. It's not a typo, okay? 
the media did get it right. They didn't spell it wrong. We're talking about weight training because how many of you have told your kids the definition of what patience is? You've had to explain what being patient is. And how many of you have used the definition that patience is waiting with a good attitude, right? It's not just about waiting and sitting there. It's about doing it with a good attitude. Because there's a difference, right? And we've all been there. The times when, uh, when we're not so patient, when we're waiting with a bad attitude, right? And everybody around us knows it, right? And then there's times when we sit with a good attitude, like it's going to be worth it after I wait. After I wait, something good is going to come out of it. Okay, even if it's like you're waiting in the waiting room for the doctor or the dentist, and I know we don't like that, but in the end, there's something good that comes out of it, hopefully, right? So that's what gives us the incentive to wait. So just the same way that we got to, you know, to build our muscles, we, we do some weight training, if we need to build our patience muscle, we're going to have to learn how to wait. We're going to have to lift that patience weight. We're going to have to exercise patience. And then the more we do it, the stronger we get in that area. So we can't look at it like a negative this morning. Let's look at it as a positive. I have really good news for you this morning. If that's a weak muscle for you, if patience is something that, you know, it comes as a struggle for you. You can get stronger in that area by doing more waiting. Yes, I know. So here's the three choices that we have this morning when it comes to waiting. We can resent waiting. And we can be miserable and make everybody around us miserable too while we're waiting. We can just accept it. Just accept that we have to wait. Or number three, there is a third option, everyone. We can actually maybe get good at it. One thing I know for sure, we cannot avoid it. We will be waiting in our life. So we might as well get good at it, right? I mean, because otherwise we can choose to be resentful and miserable, or we can just uh, accept it and just deal with it, or we can get good at it. So let's get good at it, right? Okay, let's see what the Bible has to say. How about we do that this morning? How about we open our Bibles in church? Sound like a good idea? James chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 7, going through 11. It says, therefore, be patient, brethren. Talking to Christians here, brethren. Until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Woo, something to get excited about. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. You know, sometimes we could end the message almost right there if we would remember the last thing he said. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. While we're in the middle of waiting and we're frustrated, 
and we're irritated, and maybe it's even painful. We're suffering. Patience, you know, needing patience implies that there might be some suffering involved. And sometimes when we're in the middle of that, if we would just remind ourselves, the Lord is merciful and he's compassionate. So if I'm waiting right now, if he hasn't answered my prayer yet, there must be a good reason for it. There must be a good reason for why he's making me wait. But we can only have that attitude if we understand that God is a good father and that he always has our best intentions at heart. And if we understand that he is merciful and compassionate. So let's, let's talk a little bit about this scripture. James talks about three things that we all face when problems overwhelm us. Anybody in this room ever been overwhelmed? Anybody feeling overwhelmed at this very moment right now? Okay, then we're talking to the right crowd. Okay, number one, when, when, when we face problems that overwhelm us, we're tempted to lose our patience. Okay, that's going to be the theme, like I said, of what we're talking about this morning. But the people that James is talking to in this passage of Scripture were tempted to lose their patience, and he had to remind them, brethren, to be patient. Number two, uh, when we're overwhelmed, sometimes we're tempted to lose our perspective. It's important that we keep our eye on the big picture and not just on the little teeny thing that's happening right in this moment that's overwhelming us. And then we lose the entire big picture in the middle of it. And number three, we're tempted to blame others. Ever happened? Like something overwhelms us, and then all of a sudden everything that your spouse says or does starts to irritate you. And instead of you're really frustrated by the problem, but now you're taking it out on the brethren blaming them, that you're why I'm so irritated right now. You're why, no, it's this that's going on right here, but you're too focused on that to understand that the, it's not this person's fault why you're feeling the way you feel. So we're tempted to blame others. So let's talk about the first one here, when we're tempted to lose our patience. What do we do when we're tempted to lose our patience? Just go with it? Yell at somebody? Throw something? Break something? curse, quit what we're doing, give up. Does that sound like a God solution to anybody in here? This is what we do when we're tempted to lose our patience. We remember that it's going to be worth the wait. Sometimes when you've been waiting a long time, think about, uh, <laughs> I think about um, Abraham and Sarah they waited a long time for God's promise, and they got real old. They were already old when God made the promise to them, and then they got even older. And so they got tired of waiting, and right? So they, they tried to do their own thing, and they had an Ishmael. That's what we got to remind ourselves when we're tempted to just lose our patience and give up or try to figure it out and do our own thing in the middle of that, that this is going to be worth the wait. Verses 7 and the, through the beginning of 8, it says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently. Patiently, we all remember, waiting with a good attitude. For it, until it receives the early and latter rain, you also be patient. If you look back 
In the first verses, like first six verses of this chapter, we discover that James is talking to a group of Christians. We've already established that, a group of believers. He's telling them to be patient because they're experiencing persecution. They're experiencing um, the rich people of the time, the wicked rich, not to be confused with the wicked witch, The wicked rich were oppressing and persecuting Christians at that time, but James is telling them, look, be patient, he said, because their condemnation is coming. Be patient. It's going to be worth it in the end. What's happening right now, this is not the end of the story. Sometimes we just need to be reminded, this isn't how the story ends. There's more chapters left to be written in your life. If you're not dead, God's not done. Okay, there's more chapters left to be written. So if this is a difficult time right now, we just need to remind ourselves that there's more to be written. Just be patient. God will make sure of it. God will make sure that you come out on top. That's what he does. We know that James is talking to believers, like we said, because he's calling them brethren every other sentence. And this would give me a reason to believe if he's talking to Christians that maybe, just maybe, that the kind of patience that he's talking about having is something that maybe only true believers can really uh, demonstrate in their lives. Could it be that patience is something that the kind of patience that he's talking about, all of us within our own will, can experience some level of patience, but maybe he's talking about something that's more supernatural, something that's more spiritual, not so natural, something that comes only because we're connected to God. Like maybe it's like something like a fruit of the Spirit. Like when the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you, now you have an extra level of grace to allow you to demonstrate patience that you couldn't demonstrate before you had the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. There's something spiritual, whether we want to believe it or not, because we feel really fleshly and natural when we're tempted to not be patient. Whether we believe it or not, there is something supernatural that we can connect to that will help us to demonstrate patience in those times when it seems really hard to be patient. Amen? Patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those to me sound like they're wrapped up inside of patience. Like if we're being patient, we'll show kindness instead of anger or resentfulness or bitterness. If we remain patient, we can do good, treat people well, faithful, gentleness, self-control. I mean, that's all about patience. It's a characteristic of being born again. So if you're out there this morning with And you've heard yourself say these words, well, I can't help it. When I'm under pressure, I just react like this. Honestly, I have possibly said that myself. You know, I can't help how I react. I'm like, I don't even have time to think about it. I just react in the moment. I'm being impatient. Particularly maybe when my husband's driving the car and I'm sitting in the passenger seat. I might tend to have reactions every now. I can't help it, right? I can't help it. I think it's time for some of, some of us to retire that excuse that I can't help it because it's a lie. If the Spirit of God, if you are born again today, if you have asked Jesus Christ to come and live inside of you, the Spirit of God is currently alive and living on the inside of each and every one of us. 
And that spirit of God can help us to retrain our natural reaction to something supernatural. Where we can, and as we learn to exercise patience, we'll get stronger. And that will become the more natural reaction um, when we are tempted. We need to exercise. We need to get in the spiritual gym, basically. We need to exercise and lift some weight. Patience is an attribute that sets us apart from the world. Like it or not, it sets us apart. It's like everybody expects in that moment for a human reaction, right? When they see you stressed out, under pressure, they're expecting you to react because that's what everybody else does. What would it minister to someone if you didn't react that way, but instead had a supernatural response to what was happening in that moment? It's something, they're going to know there's, there's something different about Tamina. She used to just react and go off the handle if something happened, but I've seen a change in her. Like when she's under pressure, she responds differently. Gentleness with kindness, with self-control. It's going to cause people to ask some questions like, what, what is it? What is different about you? It's something that sets us apart from the world. I mean, we've all experienced situations where we could be frustrated. We've experienced hurt. We've been mistreated. We've had misunderstandings, whether it's at work, whether it's in our home with our spouse, with our kids, conflicts in church. It happens, y'all. Because like we established already, 100% of us are human beings in this room, right? We're all, we all have a flesh to deal with. And that flesh just wants to react when things happen. Our natural tendency when we've been wronged by someone is to retaliate. That is our natural tendency. Or, at the very least, to hold on to a grudge towards that person. Or even towards God. But James is trying to explain to everybody, look, there's a better way. Don't we, as Christians, isn't that our goal to learn the better way? to be different than the world, to not to step out of what our natural tendencies are and respond with supernatural tendencies. God wants us to overcome the natural tendencies. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also the harsh, for this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your, for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. This is a tough scripture. I thought God was all about justice. And if I, he sees when I'm being mistreated or treated wrongly, the truth this morning is, is that God is more interested in what's happening inside of us than he is of what's happening to us. He's more interested in how we respond to things than he is what's actually happening to us. doesn't mean that God doesn't care, okay? But he's saying, look, there's a better way to respond. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because our natural minds can't wrap our brain around, if someone's treating me wrong, you mean I'm supposed to, like, particularly someone in authority, if my boss is asking me to do something that's wrong or that is uncomfortable for me, or I think it should be done a different way, or he's asking me or telling me in a way uh, that's rude or mean or whatever, you're telling me then that I'm supposed to just take it? 
I didn't say it. So don't look at me like that. This is from the word. These are from, this is from the word of God. And ultimately, I had to stop and think about this. And I thought, who's our example? Jesus is our example. Who was mistreated more than we'll ever understand. Who was wrongfully accused more than we will ever understand. Did we ever hear him complain? Did we ever hear him curse the people that were hurting him wrongly at that? He's our example. So if he can do it, we can do it. Anyone can endure things when they're going well and endure suffering. And enduring suffering when you've made mistakes, that's kind of expected. But when you've been treated unfairly, God is saying, let's exercise patience here. Let's have a supernatural response and not just a natural response. We talked about incentive a little while ago. You know, sometimes it's easier to wait when we know. I mean, that's what this all is about when we're tempted to lose our patience is to remember that it's going to be worth the wait. And sometimes we need an incentive, right? So, for example, if your incentive is to, to lose or if your goal is to lose weight, the incentive at the end is you get to buy some new clothes. You get to feel better and look better. It's all worth it in the end. And it is suffering, let me tell you. It is difficult, and it, it's suffering. Yeah, <laughs> suffering is a good word. But sometimes we need some incentive, you know. I love, this might not be your incentive, okay, but I love roller coasters. I love going to amusement parks. I love to get on the scarier the ride, the better. The bigger the drop, the better for me. I love that. It's like the only adrenaline thing that I like to do, okay? So don't look at me that way. I don't, I'm not generally a person that takes risks in my life, but I love amusement parks. But, you know, it's really hard sometimes to wait in line for an hour, an hour and a half, sometimes two hours for that ride. So if the line is two hours long, I have to decide if in the end what I'm going to get out of it is going to be worth that two hours of my life. And honestly, sometimes I have said, no, it's not worth it. But if it's an hour, okay, maybe I can, I, it'll be worth it in the end. We got to know what our incentives are. But James is reminding the church, look, your incentive is that the Lord is coming back. It is not going to stay like this forever. Jesus is at hand. In fact, it says he's at the door. He's right there. He could turn the knob and come through the door at any moment. He's reminding them, this is your incentive. So if you're tempted to give up and be impatient and get frustrated, hold on a little bit longer. Jesus is coming. He sees the, the tribulation. He sees the persecution. He sees everything you're going through, and he's coming. And unfortunately for the people that are persecuting you, their condemnation is coming. But it's our incentive knowing that Jesus is coming back. He's reminding them. You know, and one of the ways, guys, that we do some, that we help to train that, that muscle is while we're waiting, we're not just sitting around. He used the example of a farmer. I don't know if any of you growing up here, most of you probably grew up in California area, some of you, don't know what necessarily it's like to be on a farm, but I grew up in a farm town. And no, we were not farmers, but all of my friends lived on farms, you know, there was just a handful of kids that were in my school that, that lived in town, and everybody else worked on farms. And I can guarantee you, when they planted, usually it was corn, because I grew up in Iowa, when they planted the corn, they didn't just go, okay, now we can rest, let me, uh, this 
it down, the corn's been planted, and when it pops up, then we'll be busy again, and we'll harvest it. No, when they planted in this field, then they went out and they had to go over to this other field and plant the seeds over there. And then they had to go in and take care of all the cows that were out in the field and make sure they were taken care of. They had to take care of all the pigs, all the horses, all the chickens, everything. The farmer didn't just take a break while he was waiting for the corn to pop up. He stayed busy. It's so important that we as Christians, we stay busy. While we were praying and asking God, God, please, I need this or I want this, and God's been is having us wait. We're in the waiting season. That doesn't mean that we just sit and warm the pew or the chair in this case. We're to be involved. We're to be busy about his business while we're waiting. And you know what? It's a good distraction because sometimes we can just get so overwhelmed just by the one thing that we're waiting for that we forget there's a whole other life to be enjoyed out here. There's a whole lot of purpose out here that we're missing out on. There's a whole lot of fulfillment out there that we're missing out on because we're focused on the one thing, the one thing that we're lacking. Well, you don't know what that one thing is, Jenny. Like, that, that's a big thing. I don't have it and I want it or I don't have it and I need it. What good is it doing you to spend all your time worrying about, thinking about, being overwhelmed by, being depressed about because you don't have? What good is that doing? In the middle of the waiting, we could be serving while we're waiting, we could be telling others about the goodness of Jesus. We could be winning the lost. We could be reaching out to other people. We could be helping other people get what they've been praying for. Something about when we water in someone else's field that we reap, there's something about doing for others. We got to keep serving be connected. Be involved. You knew the connections pastor was going to talk something about being connected. She was going to work that in to the message. We need to be connected to God's church. I love it when Tia preaches because she always says that the local church is the hope of the world. We are the body of Christ. We are Christ's representatives here on this earth. It's important to your brother, to your sister, brethren, this morning that you stay connected. God never intended for us to live this life in isolation. He never intended for us to do it on our own. We're meant to be connected with one another. And it's important. You know, the Bible tells us that if two or more are gathered in my, na my name, I'm there in the midst. Why didn't he say, well, if one is there, if you're by yourself, I'll be there in the midst. Because we're never meant to be alone. We weren't made to be alone. We were created to be connected. And it's important. There's opportunities to serve here all the time. And if you're wondering where you can get involved and serve, you need to come see uh, Lionel or myself today before you leave. Remember, when you're tempted to not be patient, that it's going to be worth the wait in the end. Amen? All right, number two is when we're overwhelmed, we're tempted to lose our perspective. How many of you have had or maybe you have right now a situation in your life that is just overwhelming you? And it's pretty much all you can think about. You're at work, you're supposed to be doing your work, but uh, you can't get your mind off of that situation. You go home, you're with your kids, but you can't get your mind off that situation. You're going to bed at night, you can't even sleep because it's on your mind constantly. We're tempted a lot of times to lose perspective, the overall. It's important that we remember there is an overall picture. It's not just about this one instance that's happening right now. So while we remember, it also will help us, number two, to remember that it's going to be worth the wait, 
that helps us to keep our perspective. But also, James goes on and says to strengthen your relationship with the Lord. In the second portion of James chapter 5, verse 8, it says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts. Instead of feeling agitated and shaken up by the experience of being persecuted, we need to develop an inner stability. We need to establish our hearts. That means it's not movable. It's not shakable. How do we do that? Another way we say establish is to strengthen your heart. Strengthen it. We're talking about weight training this morning. We need to strengthen our hearts. This is a charge to us as Christians to firmly establish our hearts in God's word. To strengthen ourselves against the temptation to just freak out. Because honestly, there's some things that we all have been through, right, that most people would just have a freak out moment, right? We're just going to freak out. But no, God says, establish your heart. Strengthen your heart. He didn't say, I'll strengthen your heart. We got to do it. We got to strengthen our heart. How do we do that? It's by strengthening our relationship with the Lord. We all know how to do that this morning. Every, if we've been around church one month, we know how to strengthen our relationship with the Lord. We keep coming to church every Sunday. That's one way. Keep sitting under the word of God. Pour it into you as much as you can. Meditate on God's word. We need to be in the word more than just Sunday morning when someone's feeding it to us. Or then we'll just stay babies forever. Patience is not something that a baby knows anything about. So if we want to learn how to strengthen our patience muscle, we can't stay babies. We can't let other people always be feeding us. The only way we strengthen our hearts and we mature and grow up a little bit so that we can exercise some patience, because you don't expect a newborn baby to be patient, ever. A, a newborn does not get in trouble because they're impatient. They don't know any other way to communicate with the rest of the world other than to cry, to show their discomfort. They can't say, I'm hungry. They can't say, I need you to change my diaper. They can't say, I'm tired or I don't feel good. The only way they can express it is through crying and being impatient. But as they get a little bit older, we are expecting that that patience level grows with them, right? There's only a certain amount of time that you can expect a toddler to be patient, okay? We can't have unrealistic expectations of toddlers. <laughs> well, we can, but it won't do us any good. Okay, so a toddler's expectation level might be like this, where a baby was, infant was like this, toddlers might be like this. But we're expecting it to grow. And every year that they get older, we're expecting it to grow and mature. And what, how is it any different of our Heavenly Father to have that expectation of his children? That we need to grow in the area of patience. So one of the ways we strengthen our heart is through meditating on God's word. Another way is through prayer. I'm telling you, the most helpful thing that we can do when we are tempted to lose perspective or to get impatient is to pray. And yet it's the last thing we feel like doing in that moment, but it's going to be the most helpful thing that we do in that moment is to stop, step away for a minute, ask the Lord for help. It can be a short prayer, help me Jesus. And that's all we need to stop for a minute and then exercise patience, display, demonstrate patience instead of overreacting in the moment. And the third way we already talked about by fellowshipping with other believers and coming to church. Fellowship is not just, hi, how you doing? Church hug, I'm good. And that's it. 
Fellowship implies that there's a real connection going on. There's a real conversation. We're actually, and so honestly, on Sunday mornings, if this is all the time that you're around your Christian brothers and sisters, your brethren, you're probably not really fellowshipping. It's hard to fellowship when you have a big crowd. That happens in small groups. That ha- <laughs> Yeah, I plugged small group. Um, it also happens when we serve together in the different areas of ministry, and we're coming out on a Wednesday night to rehearse together with the worship team. That's when we get to know one another. It's when we get together at someone's house for a meeting for the children's department, and we get to hang out and fellowship with one another. Or it might be just, hey, it's so-and-so, it's my kid's birthday this weekend. Do you want to come over and hang out, for the, come to the birthday party? Not because you want an extra gift. I'm just saying, like, you want to come hang out with the family. Let's hang out together. It's important that we fellowship with one another. So when you're tempted to lose perspective while you're waiting, strengthen your relationship with the Lord. Establish your heart. No one can build your physical muscles for you. You got to go into the gym. You got to do the work yourself. Just the same way, no one can build your spiritual muscles for you, right? You got to get in that spiritual gym and do it yourself. Number three, what do we do when we're tempted to blame others? Because we talked about what do we do when we're tempted to not be patient? What do we do when we're tempted to lose perspective? These are all things that we experience when we're under pressure. We're tempted to blame others. And James talks about it in verse 9. He, so when we're tempted to blame others, we got to remember that grumbling will not help. Blaming each other is not going to help. Um, verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Notice he wasn't talking to them about grumbling about the people who were persecuting them. He said, don't grumble about one another, brethren. Again, he's reminding the brethren. Because we tend to, like, want to turn on one another for some reason when we're under pressure. We tend to take it out on the people that um, are closest to us. And James is saying, be careful. The judge is right outside the door. At any moment, that judge could turn talking about Jesus, could turn the doorknob and walk right in and find you being impatient, blaming one another. Is that how we want Jesus to come back and find us? You as a parent, is that how you want it? You've been out for the night, you want to come back in? You know, you had a great night with your spouse, like you had an actual date night. I don't, we would encourage you to do that once in a while. And you come back home and you find the kids arguing with each other, mad at each other, beating each other up, whatever the case might be. Is that how you want to walk in the door to find your kids? Because if you do, what happens? Punishment is coming. Right? The judge is right outside the door. He's about to walk in. Is he going to find the kids just arguing and blaming one another and fighting? Or is he going to find us demonstrating patience towards one another? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body, in the body, referring to the body of Christ, the church, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So taking things out on one another, it's a bad idea. It's always a bad idea, especially when we understand the nearness of our heavenly judge. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. That... That's not very far away, right? 
At any moment, the judge could walk through the door. James is warning us, as he's warning the Christians of his time, that Christ could come back at any time. He's literally standing at the door. He could open it at any time, and he'd better find us waiting patiently, right? Standing firm and not grumbling against one another, or we're going to be judged. So this is a couple of tips, I should say, a few tips on how we can um, avoid grumbling against one another. And again, it's about having uh, a planned out response when these things come. It was great on Tuesday night. If you weren't here, you, I'm sorry, you missed it. But Tuesday night, um, Donald and Raquel were talking about the difference between a reaction and a response. And I thought it was excellent. They're talking and dealing about in dealing with their children, but it can be applied in any area of our lives, really. And really, it's, it's, the, it's an act of demonstrating patience over impatience. It's an act of being mature rather than immature. And so we, these are things that will help us to respond rather than to react when we're under pressure and we're dealing with people, our brethren. Number one is to be careful to think First, you might want to write this down because some of us might need to go back and reference this a few times. Be careful to think first because usually a reaction requires no thinking. There's been no thinking. We just react with however we feel in the moment. And then we go back later and have to apologize because we know that we reacted incorrectly in a way that was not pleasing to God. So we need to take a minute and think before we act. Bible tells us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Why did he tell us that? Because he knew that our natural human response was always going to be just to react with passion usually. <laughs> Number two, be careful to pray first. We already talked about that. When you're tempted to just respond or react, sorry, we're tempted to just react, we need to stop and pray. Lord, Help me, Jesus. If that's all you can get out in the moment, I promise you it's going to help you to have a better response. Jesus will come on the spot if you truly mean it with your heart. Help me, Jesus. Even sometimes just taking that moment to breathe gives you enough time to respond in a spiritual way and not have a natural response. Number three, be careful to show love first. Or just be careful to show love. Love is the, the thing that sets us apart from the world is the way we love one another. And sometimes it just helps to think, how would I want someone to respond to me if the shoe was on the other foot? Maybe with some grace rather than anger or yelling or cursing or <laughs> judging or whatever. Remember to show love. Four, be careful to find out the facts. Ugh. How many times do we react to something before we even know the whole story? Find out the facts before you just start going off the handle. Number five, be careful to consider our example. We talked about that earlier. Jesus, he is the example. We never saw him just react in a moment. We never saw Jesus flesh out. He always overcame the natural tendency to want to just overreact, and he demonstrated something spiritual in response to what was happening to him. There's two more. Be careful to remember our obligations. Remember who you are. If you're a parent in this room this morning, 
remember that you're setting the example. You have an obligation to your children to set the proper example to them of what it's like to respond in a situation like this. They are watching. They get their cues from not so much what we say, but what we do. Remember your obligations. Remember your obligations as a member of the Building Christian Fellowship. We can't be, you know, getting frustrated with our That's Good John shirts on with the Building Christian Fellowship logo on the back. And then we're freaking out because the waitress didn't bring our food as fast as we wanted it. We were being impatient. Or there were, it wasn't the right order. They messed up something on our order, so I'm just going to freak out because I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I'm on a set schedule. What's wrong with her? What's wrong with him? And you mistreat them. We have an obligation. You think they're ever going to want to come to that building Christian fellowship place? If that's how they treat people? Oh, no, I'm, I'm not going there. We have an obligation to respond in a loving, spiritual way. And most importantly, we have an obligation to our God. We represent Christ wherever we go. So it's important that we remember that when we're responding to something, a situation that might be typical for us to freak out in. And number seven, forgive because you've been forgiven. That's the bottom line. If someone has done something to mistreat you, okay, let's forgive. We're talking about dealing with the brethren here, right? We're talking about dealing with people in the church. Let's forgive because we've been forgiven. Bible is very clear about what happens when we walk in unforgiveness. Amen? I really, really wanted to tell you this story of what happened to us this weekend. Because <laughs> I had the perfect opportunity to exercise patience with the brethren, specifically the husband brethren. <laughs> we, we celebrated our anniversary yesterday. And so, thank you. And yesterday, or this the past couple days, we spent uh, the weekend in San Francisco to celebrate our anniversary. And so we decided on Friday, we were like, let's, you know, what are we going to do? We, we played the, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? We played that game for a little while, like we normally do. Where do you want to eat? I don't know, where do you want to eat? Let's, I don't care, just pick something. No, I don't want to go there. Like, I mean, we play that game. All, we are the best at that game. I dare you to challenge us because we are the best. Um, but we finally decided, let's just go over to, to uh, Fisherman's Wharf. Let's go over to Pier 39 for the first day because neither one of us had been there in a while, and we wanted to walk around and check everything out. And so we drove over there. We went inside. We drove around and argued over which parking garage to park in, right? We had to find, we had to find the best deal, right, the one that was the cheapest. So we had to go around and look at every parking garage to see which one was going to be the cheapest so we could save those two dollars you know because those two dollars were going to make a big difference <laughs> let's just say I was not the one driving okay because if I had been driving the first parking garage I saw that's where we would have gone and parked yeah and we would have paid a, a lot more money if we had gone in that first garage but anyways back to the point back to the story um so we get in, we pull in the parking garage, we go walk around. I mean, we walked everywhere. We walked down all the way. We were kind of far away from Pier 39, so we just that's where we went first. We just hiked it down to Pier 39, stopped at some of the shops on the way, and then walked through Pier 39. And I mean, we stopped in 10 different shops or so, you know what I mean, There's, if not more. 
we stopped off and got something to drink, then we played some games in the arcade, and then we used the, the facilities at the Pier 39. And then we left there and we walked back on the other side of the street so we could hit some of the other things, and we went all the way down to the other end of the wharf. And finally we ended up in this um, hotel so that we could sit down for a little while, use the bathroom, put our feet up, get something to drink, whatever, and just hang out in the lobby for a little while because we'd been walking a lot and my feet were hurting because I didn't bring the right shoes. But anyways, so we decided after we've sat there for a little while that, okay, let's go back. Let's go back to the hotel. We'll get ready and we'll go to dinner because we were celebrating our anniversary that night. And we get back to the, we've hiked all day long and we're back to the parking garage and we get to the little booth where you put your ticket in so that um, you can pay or whatever because you're supposed to pay before you get into your car or whatever. And I can see Lionel kind of going through his pants pocket. But this is not unusual, okay? So I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool at first. Like, this is not unusual for him to be checking because he's always got cargo pants on, right? So he's like every pocket could be. He never uses the same pocket every time. Like it's got there's stuff here, there's stuff here, there's stuff down here. I mean, it's all over. So I'm thinking that he's lost the ticket. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm, what I'm thinking is that I can't remember how that particular one worked. I think we already paid, but to get out, we had to, like, show our ticket or whatever. And I'm thinking, we're going to have to pay again. We already drove around to find the cheapest parking garage, and now we're going to have to pay it again. And, um, and then I realized, I'm like, so, so I finally say something, because I'm trying not to bother him. I'm giving him his space. And I'm like, did you lose the ticket? And he's like, did I give you the keys? <laughs> and I'm like, I know I don't have the keys because I have a little purse with me and my keys, you know, there's just a ton of keys on them. And I was thinking his pockets are bigger than what my little purse is. And I knew he didn't give me the keys. Um, so I'm sitting there like I'm trying to breathe. <laughs> we are in San Francisco. <laughs> we are stuck in a parking garage. Like we can't go anywhere. And so I empty out my purse just to make sure, and sure enough, they're not in there. And then it kicks in. The reality of the situation kicks in to me, like, where are my keys? It's my, I'm like, the extra set of keys are at home hanging on the hook right by the door. So I'm like, there's, I don't know who's going to, we're going to have to pay somebody to go get our spare set of keys and come back. But then I'm thinking, all my church keys are on the key ring. All my work keys are on the key ring. My house key, my brother's house key, my parents' house key. Like, I'm thinking of all the keys that I've just lost now. And the panic is setting in. I haven't reacted yet, okay? So I'm, I'm still doing pretty good. And we're like, so then I immediately, I'm like, okay, let's go back. Let's retrace our, thought, our steps. Where did we go? You know, we're going through all the different places that we, he's like, the restaurant, that's the first place we went. That's the only place where I would have maybe set something down. Everywhere else, I would have kept it in my pocket. The restaurant, we go over to the restaurant where we had breakfast that morning, because that was the first place we stopped after we parked the car. It closes after lunch. So there's nobody at the restaurant. We're peeking in the window. The lights are all off. The chairs are on top of the table. We're, we're like, I'm trying to be patient, y'all. I knew I was preaching a message about patience the next day. Like, I'm like, how can I overreact if I, I got to demonstrate this in my own walk? And so I was tempted to lose my patience, right? But I held it together. He gets on the phone. He starts calling the restaurant. I don't know how in the world, but he got a hold of somebody. 
And the lady was still there. She was up in an office up above the restaurant, and she came down. She opens the door for us. We go inside. We have to, like, move all the chairs and tables out of the way to get to the table where we were at. She's saying no one turned in any keys because it had been several hours. I'm assuming someone cleaned that table and gave, left the keys at the front or something. She didn't know anything about it. She called the people that were working. Nobody knew anything about it. We went and we finally got over to the table that was buried behind all the chairs and stuff, and there's no keys. So we leave. We look on the floor. We're looking everywhere. There's no keys. So finally, we're like, we got to go back to every single spot that we were at today. So that whole journey, my feet are hurting, guys. Like, I, my feet were sore, and we're going to have to go walk this whole thing again. So he's like, okay, I don't remember where he went. We separated for a minute. I went around the corner to go to, into one of the stores that we had been in, and he went, I think, to, like, another store or something where he was trying to get a hold of the lady again so he could go into the bathroom. He was like, oh, I used the bathroom in there. Let me get in there. So he has to try to get a hold of her again after she's already gone up to the office. She's getting frustrated with us. So I go into the first store. I go around the corner to the first store, and I had to pray. Because <laughs> I was about, as I'm walking around the corner, the tears are just, like, welling up in the corners of my eyes. Like, this cannot be happening on our anniversary weekend. Like, this cannot be happening. So I go around and I go into the, oh, it's already 1030. You guys want to hear the end of the story? You want me to? <laughs> so I go in the store. They, the candy store that we went in, they have uh, like a, a row of keys that people have left in their store, but none of them are ours, you know. I go meet up with him. He's with the lady again, and there's no keys in the bathroom. So literally we were like, okay, let's. Let's start out on this journey. And I'm being cool, you guys. Like, I was relaxed because I had prayed. So I can tell you by firsthand experience just, just happening that I had said, Jesus, you're going to have to help me here. And I said, Holy Spirit, lead us to where those keys are because this is going to be a problem. I was like, I don't even know what you do. I don't even know what you do in this situation. Like, what? we could take an Uber back to the hotel room, but then, like, how are we going to get our car yeah, I was still, so I'm, I was stressed out a little bit. I was tempted at one point to lose perspective, too. Like, I didn't care anymore that it was our anniversary weekend, that we had all these plans. All I could think about was the keys. I'm like, I don't care if we ever go back to the hotel room. I don't care if we go out to dinner. I don't care about any of that. Somebody can find my keys. Somebody turn in my keys so that we can get this car out of here. And I can have all the keys back to all the, everything I need. And, um... We go, we, we look at each other and we're like, okay, should we go backwards to retrace our steps or should we go start from the beginning where we started? And if we'd started from the beginning, we would have a long ways to go to stop into every store. And, you know, he was, we were like, let's just go back to where we just came from, like let's, which was the hotel. We get back to the hotel, which was not that far away. We go in immediately to the front desk and ask him if anybody has turned in any keys. And they're like, what kind of keys? So then they start asking questions, and we're like, somebody has turned in our keys because they're asking us details about it. We're like, for an Acura, it's got this key, you know, looks like this. And they're like, are they these? And we're like, yes. <laughs> yes, Jesus. But I'm telling you, I wanted to turn around and blame others in the process. I wanted to lose my patience in the process, and I totally wanted to lose perspective in the process. 
But man, we got to learn how to exercise patience. I'm going to leave you with two scriptures that I pray will encourage you this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, for you have need of endurance or patience. So after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. That is our incentive. If you are waiting on God for something, everybody in this room is waiting on God for something. Everybody in this room has prayed for something that's so important to us, that's so valuable to us. And we're waiting. Listen, you have need of patience this morning so that after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. Do we believe God's word or don't we? We believe God's word. We will exercise patience. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, something we're all familiar with. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Can you stand to your feet this morning? I believe, (laughs) I believe that there are many of us, thank you, Lord. I believe that there are many of us in this room that it's, it's highly possible that we've lost heart. We've been doing the good. We're not being weary and well-doing, but maybe we've lost the heart. There's a lot of times when we just come and we go through the motions And don't get me wrong, we're not always going to feel like doing what we have committed to doing, but we do it anyway. But there's a difference between just having a rough day or a rough week and completely not having our heart in it anymore. So I want you to be encouraged this morning. If you have lost heart in what you're doing, just don't be weary. When we're weary, that's when we tend to just kind of slack off on the things that we know we should be doing. Don't be weary in well-doing. You're going to reap a harvest. Yeah, but it's been years. Yeah, but it's been decades. It's been decades. We laugh, but that that hits you sometimes. Like, God, I've been waiting on this my whole adult life. I've been waiting on this for the last 10 years. I've been waiting. I'm tired. Don't lose heart. After you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. God's word is more real than how we feel in this moment. God's word is more real than the situation that we face. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.